0: I'm Debbie Georgiannis. Welcome to my show, America, Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about Trump wins Iowa, Democrats' nosedive, Dr. Everett Piper joins me to talk about the 2020 issues in the State of the Union, Democrats' self-inflicted acquittal vote tomorrow, and up next for the GOP, the quest for Russia-Ukraine whistleblower truth. And I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned.
1: I am Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth.
0: And welcome again to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I thought today I would kick off the show by talking about the results of the Iowa caucus. And I still will, although we don't really have the results yet. I want to start this First Five by playing a short clip this is a clip from inside one of the Iowa precincts during the Iowa caucus yesterday on the Democrat side. This is a clip, Matt, the very wonderful producer that we uh, sent you as clip three. I want to play that and then tell you what these people are doing in this Iowa Democratic caucus precinct. Well, you're watching And
1: flip it over. Flip it over. <laughs> <Flip> it over. <laughs> Heads. Booty.
0: I Yeah.
1: Buttigieg. All right. So,
0: Buttigieg will get three delegates. That, my friends, was how, in one in two different caucuses, but that one was caught on someone's video camera. That's how they decided which of the Democrat presidential candidates would win that precinct and another one by a coin toss. Literally, this procedure, I'm sure you're following it if you're watching the story at all in Iowa. The Democrats thought they would be announcing the winner of the Iowa caucus presidential race. The Democrats side last night, thought we'd have news by 10. I don't know how late you stayed up. I hung in until about midnight and realized they weren't going to have it. But we are now, a day after the Iowa caucus, They've now announced, the Iowa Democrat Party has announced that by 5 o'clock Eastern today, first they said they'll have all of the results, we'll actually know which of the Democrat presidential candidates won the Iowa caucus, and now they're saying, well, we're going to have most of the results, and now they're kind of some of the results. And I'm going to go through why this matters so much, but in a nutshell, these people could not conduct an election in Iowa and give America the answer that these campaigns have been waiting for for months. They've been picturing the headlines the day after the Iowa caucus, whatever it is, five out of seven times in recent presidential elections, the winner on the Democrat side who wins the Iowa caucus wins the Democrat nomination. They've been anticipating this, and they could not get to a result. And I'll tell you, the innocent explanation they're talking about is an app, an app that was created by three people who are actually affiliated with the Hillary for America campaign. Matt, do if I have their pictures just to put them up and show you these young people created the app that has apparently malfunctioned. These are Gerard Niamira on the left, product manager Anna Rao in the middle, and COO James Hickey on the right, all of them were for Hillary America, for America, all of them together created the app that apparently collapsed and didn't function properly, causing the Democrat Party of Iowa to have to say, you know, on second thought, we're going to have to be recounting, we're looking at some irregularities, we're figuring this out. But I want to plant a little bit different uh, take on it, or a little bit different concern I have. This is the Democrat Party, as we've been talking about in the show, that is determined to not let Bernie Sanders win the primary. The last thing they want to have is a wild-haired, avowed socialist as the Democrat Party presidential nominee. They cannot tolerate that. So they've been behind the scenes, just as they did in 2016, working against him. So this is a party that believes they have the right to negotiate and to manipulate to get the candidate they want. This is also the party that's been saying, don't worry about all these crazy leftists like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. You know, Joe Biden, man, he's front and center, Main Street guy, all American. He's your safe bet. And they've been having, they're in polls showing that Joe Biden was really doing well, that he might actually be the nominee. And some polls trying to claim he could be president trump if that guy if the real results were last night as they were predicted in most of the recent polls leading up to the caucus day if the results really were that sanders won that bernie sanders came in first and that joe biden came in something like fourth which was very in the realm of possible This is very much upsetting the apple cart of the Democrat Party that believes they have the right to control the outcome. Heaven forbid the voters have the right to do that. Two last things about the Iowa caucus and wrapping up the first five. One is Judicial Watch has now placed Iowa on notice that they will file a lawsuit if they in Iowa do not clean up their voter rolls. In Iowa, according to the Judicial Watch, there are eight Iowa counties that have a total registration rate, total voter registered, larger than the number of eligible voters in the population in, that, in those counties. They have more people registered than live in the counties uh, who are of voting age. Estimate by Judicial Watch, they have at least 18,000 people, extra names on the Iowa voting rolls. And lastly, this is the party, the Democrat Party, that argues it's racist to ever require or set in place procedures to require a voter ID. This is the party that argues that there's somehow a nefarious malicious intent on the part of anyone who says maybe we should clean up the voter rolls and remove people who are deceased or who no longer live in the county. Maybe we should try to have more accurate voter rolls. This is the party that tries to, in the lower levels of elections, tries to include people given the right to the vote who are not even citizens. This is the party who cannot be trusted with the mission of having accurate voter rolls and accurate election outcomes. So most people looking at Iowa are not thinking there was just a simple and innocent little glitch. They're thinking, what are the Democrats up to? And that, my friends, is today's First Five. We heard as we started the show today, we have a guest joining us, Dr. Everett Piper. He is joining us by phone. I think you'll be able to see him, though. Um, He's been joining us on the show before, and the first time I had him on the show was to um, smile with him and enjoy what he wrote when he was still president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. He wrote a piece that was entitled, Essentially, this is not a daycare. It was a letter to the students, followed by becoming a book, a great, great, um, insightful piece that was essentially saying to students in college campuses, you're not here to be a snowflake. You're not here to make sure that you never are offended. You're here to learn, to listen to ideas, to engage in the robust debate of ideas. And so he became pretty famous for just that one book, not a daycare. But he's also, he is now retired as president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, but he's a widely read, uh, he's an author Author, a pundit a commentator uh, contributes regularly to Washington Times and he's just a wonderful thinker about politics and especially the role of faith in America so I believe we have Dr. Piper online hello sir how
1: are you doing Debbie thanks for having me on
0: I'm glad to have you welcome to the show so would you like to make any comments about the Iowa caucus or should we roll with what we're going to talk about
1: well, I, I, I've, I've heard that uh, that the new campaign slogan for the DNC is make America confused again. <laughs> um,
0: okay. <I> mean, <laughs> is, that's good. I
1: mean, through and incompetence and coin tosses, they're going to make American, America confused, I guess. I guess that's their goal. I guess they're proving that to be the case. Also, I think you can hear an evil laugh off in the corner of Hillary Clinton as she chuckles that her operatives are apparently the ones that have sabotaged this whole process. The yep. only thing that I have not heard from the Democratic Party that you would expect to hear is that they're blaming Donald Trump for this. But the day's young. They probably still will.
0: The, you know, maybe they didn't think of it until now. Now you've given them another idea. <laughs> yeah, that blaming Trump would be the next trick. Well, I want to turn to several, there are so many topics that we could be talking about today. I'm so glad you're able to join me. Uh, You write regularly, which I really appreciate. You write very well uh, for the Washington Times. And you had a piece, I actually, you know, I read a lot and I'm very tuned into the issues in America that really drive leftists, including the uh, advocacy for abortion. But your article, it was called Liberals Big Brother Push for Federally Funded Abortion in the Washington Times. I want to talk about the things that you presented in that article and um, and actually urge our listeners to read it. You, I put the link up to it on our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org, on the homepage under shows, drop down list of links. You'll find a link to this article. So, there was a presentation by Kenneth Roth, Kenneth Roth, he has a name that you could mispronounce easily, I guess. Um, he is the uh, president of a group called the Human Rights Watch, and he testified before the U.S. Commission on Unalienable, unalienable Rights and was talking about abortion. So I want to go to your article and just, just kind of run through some of the things he said and, and get your take on on his views. and and kind of how out of touch they are with America. But this is, again, Kenneth Roth testifying before the U.S. Commission on Inali- Unalienable Rights on this subject. And he is president of Human Rights Watch. So to start out, you noted that in his testimony, Kenneth Roth talked about the idea that, and this is, he was advoc- advocating for abortion, access to it, legality, and all that. But he said in this testimony, millions of deaths could be prevented by abortion. Did you know what he's talking about there?
1: (laughs) Double speak. Uh, One of the phrases I use in my column is you can hear Orwell laughing. (laughs) This is so Orwellian because he's arguing, number one, that the humanity of an unborn child is not even worthy of our consideration. Number two, that the guarantees for religious freedom, the unalienable right of religious freedom that are constitutional public, excuse me, constitutional republic is guaranteed. He is telling us that that freedom of religion is only the freedom of belief. It's not the freedom to practice that belief in the public square. Do you hear that? You're an attorney. You hear that very well. The people listening to us need to understand what he just said, that religion, Freedom of religion is what you hold in your head. It certainly can't be what you do with your hands or what you practice in your profession or in the public square. You must be silent when it comes to expressing that faith in public. Is that what our founding fathers guaranteed us? I don't think so. But this man is arguing that indeed that should be the case, especially when it comes to those people who believe, because of religious conviction, that an unborn child is human and should be given all the rights and privileges and protections of any other human being within our culture. This man might as well start arguing that we sacrifice our children to Moloch because that's exactly what he is setting this culture up for, that you can terminate a human being up to seconds before birth and celebrate it as your rights just because it's convenient for you. And nobody with a religious conviction to the contrary should be permitted in our public square to express those views. Like I said, you can hear George Orwell laughing.
0: You know, I, I'm so glad you read this article. I had actually missed this story, of this testimony by this gentleman, uh, Human Rights Watch president, before the U.S. Commission on Human on, on Alien Rights. You know, he also talks about the idea and the, the way he speaks about people of religious values. He's trying to say, or he, he's trying, he does say, essentially, you might think that, but there is no place in the american contemplation of creation of policy there's no place in among lawmakers for considering the views that people hold about when life starts the value of life if those views are based on religion he's really writing out the whole notion that religious values can shape policy in america i think that's also contrary to the perception of america that our founders held what do you say
1: well stop and think about the logical end of his ideas if there is no place for a religious discussion about the dignity of the human being then what he is arguing is there there's only a place in the legal setting for a materialistic a naturalistic a, a discussion of who we are as human beings so if anybody like you or i come along and argue or anthony scalia or anybody else comes along and starts arguing That a human being is actually the Imago Dei, stamped with the image of God. We have dignity, we have moral culpability, we have moral awareness, we have responsibility. We're not the Imago Dei, excuse me, we're not the Imago Dog, we're not made in the image of an animal. We're the Imago Dei, we're made in the image of God. That argument for human dignity has to be immediately silenced in this man's worldview. Because you and I are nothing more than dust, than dirt. We are nothing more than an animal. We're nothing more than the dog, the pig, the cat, the cow, to quote PETA. And that has to be the end all and the be all of the discussion of what it means to be human. How in the world can this man argue under the banner of human rights when he is dumbing down the definition of what it means to be a human being to nothing but dust and dirt? This is the degradation of human identity. It is the abolition of human freedom because you can't be free if you're not human and you and i would have no rights within this man's world to argue because we're arguing from a religious perspective because we think that the founding fathers when they said that we are endowed by our creator with certain self-evident truths and unalienable rights that we should be able to discuss that in the public square
0: uh so well said he actually extends his argument, uh, and everything he says is just is really profound and very helpful. He extends his argument to this idea that instead of having thinkers in America, people committed to the notions in the very founding of our country, the Declaration of Independence, that we're, um, you know, we're, we're all created equal, that we have rights from our Creator simply because we were born, all of that, he's dismissing all of that and saying instead of that kind of thought used. To approach to policymaking, he's he's specifically urging the idea that policymakers must defer to the United Nations and their and their team of experts in applying international law. Does not like the idea of sovereign authority in any country to take the absolutist position. He's calling respect for human life of the unborn, an absolute disposition. But he's really arguing for individual countries should not be able to make that final decision. We've got to defer to these alleged experts who are policymakers in, within the United Nations. Uh, I, 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 why don't we, that, that is actually such a sovereignty surrendering idea, it's hard to to um, to even answer that, except just, just to rege- reject it out of hand. But your comments.
1: Well, let's. Let's go back to the Democratic Party. This man just described the Democratic Party's platform. There is one candidate for the presidency on the Democratic side right now that would disagree with what he just said. All of them are radical pro-choice up to the point of birth. Pete Buttigieg isn't even acknowledging that it's a bad thing that somebody in his hometown of South Bend, Indiana was discovered with over 2,000 fetuses that he had been keeping after he aborted them and that he was collecting these human body parts for some reason, and Buttigieg doesn't want to critique that as being something that should be stopped. Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, the list goes on, they all are embracing the radical degradation of the human being because we can kill our youngest children right now for the sake of convenience. And there is no one who should be able to stop that. And if we do have a religious movement within the United States, then that should be stopped by the United Nations because international law should trump any local law. This is power, this is, the, the, this is a, 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 a one-world government, if you will, yep, and yep, the Democrats yep, actually yep. embrace this model of power. They don't distance themselves from it in any way whatsoever.
0: You know, yes, absolutely. You know, this idea, he's really uh, mocking and dismissing any notion of Christian virtue or Christian morality as shaping America, shaping our thinking about policies, not just about abortion, but all sorts of policies. And I do think there's a certain level of fault to be laid at the foot, at the feet of uh, education, academia, um, not just in college, but I mean in, in the K through 12 levels where this. The teaching of the founding idea of America, of what the ideas of our founders, what they were trying to write when they set out the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, what they were trying to create. We have permitted over decades the change in the presentation in history and in government classes for students, where there's no notion, where we, because we have falsely elevated the separation of church and state idea, gotten to the point that there is almost a dismissal of whether Christian virtue. Christian morality rooted in the scriptures should be part of our policy conversation at all. And I know you worked very hard in your time as a college president, Oklahoma Wesleyan, to to again teach that idea about America's founding, but isn't there a certain fault to be laid at the feet of the um, of academia in America that we could get to the point that this guy could make this argument with a straight face?
1: Oh, absolutely. My industry is responsible for this higher education, and frankly, secondary education, and even elementary education. American education in general is responsible for the mess that we're now in. We've created this monster. In fact, I would argue that 100% of the culpability for this problem lies at the feet of education and the church. Because we stopped teaching objective truths in the academy, and we stopped teaching the truths of Scripture at the pulpit. And when you combine those two things, you lose any context uh, context for truth being the measuring rod of culture any longer. C.S. Lewis once said, you can do no measuring without a measuring rod outside of those things being measured. I'll say that one more time. You can do no measuring without a measuring rod outside of those things being measured. And that's where we are right now. If there is no such thing as truth to judge the debate, if it all boils down to power and privilege and politics, if it all boils down to personality, then you and I, if we have the biggest stick or the highest podium, we win. Or if our opponent has the biggest stick or the highest podium, they win. They crush us. They become big brother. They tell everybody else to be silent. Uh, Abraham Lincoln once said, what is taught today in the classroom will be practiced tomorrow in our government. What is taught today in the schoolroom will be practiced tomorrow in the government. Hitler said, let me control the textbooks and I will control the state. Richard Weaver, 1948, ideas have consequences. Teach lousy ideas, you're going to get lousy consequences in culture. You teach these kids for decades that they're nothing but an animal. They've risen up out of the primordial soup. They're not (laughs) endowed by the creator with anything because there is no creator. And what do you get? You get, get a bunch of people that start acting like animals. And that's where we are today.
0: Well, that is a great segue to my next topic, speaking of acting like animals. So over the weekend, I'm going to guess many of our listeners watched the Super Bowl. We did, too. You know, we watched mm-hmm. with a bunch of friends. And the um, halftime show at the Super Bowl, we were with a bunch of friends. who were all, you know, church-going Christians. And um, honestly, there was pretty much dead silence during the – and it was a, the big, big screen setup, and pretty much silence during the halftime show. And I – and if any of you didn't see it it was a, a performance of music and dancing by two different people uh shakira and uh, jennifer lopez but the commentary afterward th- the gist of it was it was extremely sensual sexual provocative revealing uh the dances were very um, just sensual suggestive I couldn't even, I don't even know what the words were they were singing, but the dancing was just extreme, extremely sensual. So, afterward, a lot of commentary followed. And I will tell you that, um, Dr. Piper, I even heard conservative friends of mine, and I don't know if they were trying to virtue signal to say, hey, you know, we're not the puritanical, you know, um, people that the Democrats try to say we are. You know, it was fine. Yeah, it was entertainment. It was fine. I think, I'm gonna ask your reaction, I swear, but I want—I had wanted to pop off about this today. I think it is such an insult to women. It is not empowering women. It is playing into the whole objectification of women, the whole thing the Me Too movement said they want to end. I would love more round, more public condemnation. And I also just think the idea that would we'll even be chosen is somewhat a reflection of our culture. So, I don't even know if you watched the Super Bowl, but what do you have to say?
1: the objectification of women. You just summarized it. How can you be pro-woman when you treat women like an object? How can you be me too when women are an object of sexual recreation? When you've dumbed down sex to nothing but consumption and recreation rather than elevating that to a level of dignity? How can you be pro-woman when you deny that women are real, which is what the LGBTQ um, argument You're not even real. You don't exist. You're a leprechaun. You're a unicorn. You're a fabrication. You're a fantasy. You're not an objective fact. You're not real. And therefore, I can I can raise my hand on any given day and say, I'm a woman and I can take your bathroom. I can take your privacy. I can take your dignity. I can take your identity away from you because I'm pretending to be a woman because women aren't real. Now, if you are a feminist, how can you deny the reality of the feminine? If you are pro-woman, how can you deny the biological fact of women? And if you're claiming that women should be given dignity, why in the world would you objectify them like they did in this particular program? We are the classical feminists. We are the classical liberals. We believe in liberty and liberation and freedom and justice. We believe in the female, therefore we are feminists. The irony today is that as a conservative who believes in conserving the time-tested truths of God, those self-evident truths that are endowed to us by our Creator, as a conservative, I'm more classically liberal, if you will, than my left of center counterpart because I'm conserving the dignity of women, the identity of women, I'm not going to Objectify them. I'm going to honor them. I'm not going to put you on the cover of Sports Illustrated and say, look, recreation, 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 Sports Illustrated. Women are nothing but sport. That's exactly what you saw in the uh, Super Bowl halftime show. You should be offended by it because it degraded you. It dumbed you down. It made you an object rather than elevated you. Back to my point at the beginning of the show, the Imago Day
0: well said i'm thinking i'm going to go back and replay and memorize some of those lines they were very very good thank you so much and i couldn't agree more i don't know if we probably enough said on that because i want to hit one more topic so tonight is the state of the union we're going to talk a little later in the show about president trump's decision to go forward with the state of the union despite that the senate is going to do their vote to acquit tomorrow and today they're in fact holding long blathering hearings where the senators are weighing in whatever they have to say but President Trump's going forward. On the day of the Union, though, I want to ask you, uh, Dr. Piper, I think that for Christian Americans, many of them, us, may have been very surprised to discover after President Trump was elected, you know, he really went along with a lot of what the Christian conservative agenda would be asking a president to do. He's been pro-life. He has been, uh, in fact, very uh, in in surprising ways. He's been asserting pro-life. He spoke up at the March for Life. He went there to actually speak about the virtue and value of life. So there's a, you know, to my sense of things, the leftists in this country are the very idea of America is under assault in a hundred different ways. And President Trump, in my sense, is moving forward, protecting the idea of America. So first of all, just as a Christian activist American, what do you want to hear President Trump say in the State of the Union?
1: You know, I had the privilege of meeting him once during the primary um, of uh, the last election. At the time I met him, I was not a huge fan. I hadn't decided that I could support the man yet because I just had problems with his past moral behavior. Um, I left there being uh, encouraged because the one thing I asked them, excuse me, the one thing I asked them when I was given the opportunity to do so in Trump Tower was this. Mr. Pre- Mr. Trump, should you become president of the United States, I have one request of you. Leave me alone. Yeah. Let me be Christian. Just leave me alone. Stop trying to impose federal, federal largesse upon me stay out of the business of the church, stay out of the business of trying to define marriage, stay out of the business of trying to uh, tell me that I have to to provide transgender accommodations on my Christian college campuses. Leave me alone. And here's what I've learned since he was elected. That's what he's done. He's left me alone. He has let me be Christian. He's like Constantine of old. I don't know whether Constantine was a believer or not. I would argue Constantine was a pagan. Um, But that pagan God used in his sovereignty to pat the church on the head and release us to do our good work. And I think Trump is doing the exact same thing. Thank God for Constantine. I'm grateful for Christendom. Thank God for President Trump. He's leaving me alone.
0: I do love that. It's been a very interesting time though, because I think that, and I think you and I have talked about this before, people are aware of it, but there was an effort on the, uh, I always like to call them the anti-American left, but on the left, to penetrate the churches, the Christian Church in America, to try to shift their views on certain issues, so that Christians would feel unsure of how they should vote, that they could be manipulated toward voting for left-wing ideas, because the uh, theology of Christianity was being uh, tweaked by leftists. It's a very conscious decision, a very uh, you know at the highest level, funded by George Soros and various of his accolades and groups that he's formed. But the particular. I think that is going to be uh, among many the big issues in 2020 has to do with immigration, border security um, and kind of citizenship and sovereignty. The left has managed to make the argument that and, and to some with some effect, positive effect in the Christian church in America, that in order to be consistent with Jesus teaching that we must love our neighbors as ourselves, we must pretty much have open borders, open arms to all immigrants. The the uh, Christian left, if you can really call them that, have managed to criticize President Trump's firmness on border security, uh, identity of citizenship, refugee policy. The church, the leftist churches have criticized that as intolerant, unwelcome, and hateful. But I think actually there is a right idea within and in, in, in consistent with following the scriptures that essentially says we do get to protect our country that there is a right idea. So what is, your, what is your thought to Christian America who's concerned about Trump's immigration policy seeming too harsh in terms of the wall and and stopping all of the uh, penetration of the southern border?
1: You know, it's interesting, the left, the progressives that are so dismissive of Leviticus, all of a sudden love it when it talks about uh, taking care of the, the stranger and the foreigner among us. So all of a sudden, the left loves Leviticus. Uh-huh. Figure that one out. But here's the thing. The Old Testament word, the Hebrew word for foreigner and sojourner among you, is not an illegal immigrant. It means the person who has decided to willingly subscribe to the Israel, um, to the policies of Israel. It is the person who basically is the legal immigrant who's coming in and saying, I'll live by your policies. I want to obey your laws, and I want to be one of you. That's the Hebrew word for foreigner and sojourner among you. It isn't the illegal immigrant. It is the immigrant who's willingly complying with your national identity. That is true. In fact, there's a scholar from Wheaton College who wrote an article on this where he dissected the Old Testament language with regard to immigration. So don't tell me that the Bible says you've got to welcome everybody who wants to illegally enter your country. That's not true. The Old Testament doesn't say that, nor does the New Testament. Jesus was not an illegal immigrant when he was taken as a child to Egypt by Mary and Joseph. They went there legally and they complied with the rules, the regulations, and the laws of Egypt. Therefore, their argument just implodes upon itself. And by the way, if you want to start waving the banner of Leviticus, then let's talk about all of Leviticus, which comes with some of the sexual standards, too, that they want to dis- dismiss.
0: No, you don't understand the way it works. You see, you can pick and choose the, the scriptural passages. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, Dr. Piper, <laughs> you didn't understand that. That's how the left works. Pick this, not that. So, Dr. Piper, I cannot thank you. It was just so much fun to talk with you. I want to share with our listeners that, first of all, on Twitter, you're at at Dr. Everett Piper, at DR Everett Piper, and your website, DrEverettPiper.com. I will tell our listeners that some groups in Dallas have invited Dr. Piper to speak here, and he's coming here again. If your organization of any kind wants to have a really engaging conversation, you know, well-informed and just inspired talk. Uh, He's a great one to look at. Check out his website. Check out his writing in Washington Times. And Dr. Piper, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Debbie. Appreciate you having me on.
0: Great to have you. Okay, folks. We're gonna try to turn in the limited time we have left. Good thing I can talk fast, huh? Um, I want to hit two stories. Uh, One is uh, the Democrats' self-inflicted acquittal vote. Tomorrow, So, tonight is the State of the Union. I cannot encourage you strongly enough to watch it. I can't wait. I had several friends say to me, hey, let's have a, um, you know, a State of the Union party, a watch party. But you know what? It's kind of like how my husband feels at Super Bowl parties. He wants to watch the game. He doesn't like all the chit-chat, chit-chat with all the ladies and discussing recipes and kids. He wants to watch the game. I want to watch the State of the Union and I want to watch it unimpeded by people commentating and, and, you know, thinking, oh, criticizing, oh, we shouldn't have said that. I want to just watch it. But it was a big decision for, for President Trump to decide to move forward with the scheduled date of the State of the Union, which is tonight, because tomorrow, apparently, the Senate is going to move forward with their vote on the, you know, they voted no witnesses, so now we're just left with their response, their formal response, to the House and their, to the House two articles of impeachment against the President. Just while we were sitting here, earlier today there was talk that uh, Susan Collins, the forever unreliable Republican Senator of Maine, had announced that she would give her statement, her announcement, about how she was going to vote on the uh, acquittal tomorrow. She'd make that announcement today. She just announced she is going to vote for acquittal. So to be clear, because the Constitution would require a two-thirds vote of the Senate to remove President Trump, they're nowhere close. What all they're really talking about now is trying to get a majority to vote, to acquit. Because if you don't get removal, which is the the Constitution's provided, you know, the provision they gave the Senate, then he's president. They would like to have a solid vote for acquittal. So that's tomorrow. But I do think several things have happened. It's really, really important to understand um, how this acquittal, this this, uh, process has just profoundly and in many numerous ways um, helped President Trump. Number one, his approval ratings have gone up during the impeachment. More and more Americans are recognizing, as they watch the way the Democrats handle it in the House and in the Senate, that President Trump is being vilified. He's being attacked. He's being you know, railroaded, witch-hunted, whatever word you want to use, that this is just a sham impeachment. And so he's actually being helped by it. It's also helped Americans see more what the Democrat Party is all about. They don't have any agenda. you got to understand that. The Democrats in Washington, they have been you know, they've had the House, the Democrats, you know, took the majority in the House in the 2018 elections, and so are now, they had the House majority all of 2019 and into this very beginning of 2020, their entire agenda has been get rid of President Trump. And I think the American people are tired of it. I can tell you the polling says in swing states, the independents are tired of it. They're just waiting for somebody waiting for somebody on the Democrat side to say, can we just knock this off? Can we move forward and try to do something about the issues facing America? But, um, you know, there was a, uh, President Trump has been, not only have have his poll numbers gone up, but his approval, even among independents, and really has helped, this impeachment has helped unite the GOP. You know the G.O.P. Uh, heaven knows the members of the Republican Party, House and Senate, have not worked extremely hard. A, only a small number of them worked very hard to support the president. But as this impeachment rolls on, and it's seen for the sham farce, ridiculous thing that it is, it has led more members of the G.O.P. recognizing, hey. We got to stand up and unite behind this guy. Um, The other thing that we'll touch on in the next segment has to do with where it's really going to end up for the Democrats, because I think what the Democrats thought long ago during even the campaign of 2016, and certainly after President Trump won the election, they thought the Democrat, you know, powers that be, the ones that pull all the strings and make all the decisions, they thought they would have President Trump so vilified, so destroyed, so maligned, so hated in this country that impeachment would be a cakewalk, that the country be behind them, that they would have plenty of good reasons, they'd have Republicans joining with them in the impeachment. They thought they had set everything up, first of all, with the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, which fell apart because there was nothing to it, and then with this Ukrainian, the second hoax, the coup 2.0, this Ukrainian thing, also falling apart as more and more Democrats realize if this goes to witnesses in the senate we're going to have biden in here and biden is toast and biden for the powers that be in the democrat party is their one sane choice among the other crazies running for president biden's the one they think might be able to get there because he's not completely uh, off in uh, the left-wing worldview. And so they cannot have him damaged. I'll tell you something else to my friends, even on my side of the aisle, the Republican side, who are saying, well, you know, but I think it was a big mistake for the GOP to block witnesses. You know, what, what are we hiding? Why not have witnesses? Why not have it all out there? Well, I would have loved to have all of it out there. I would have loved to have the Senate actual, and the president's lawyers actually able to ask questions of Biden. And by Biden, I mean both Joe and Hunter, uh, of the whistleblower, of Adam Schiff, Adam Schiff's staff, and their whole orchestration cooking up this entire impeachment boondoggle. I think that people who thought that somehow, if we have witnesses, we can really prove our case, do not understand where the Democrats are coming from. It's never going to be okay with them. It's never going to be an okay answer that... There really, it turns out, was nothing impeachable about President Trump's conversation with the Ukrainians. The Democrats are not seeking truth. They're seeking the removal of the president. You have to let that fact sink in. The Democrats never wanted to get to the bottom of anything. They did not want truth. They wanted to take down the president. It's still the only thing they want giving them more rope, more witnesses, more time, more documents, more t- uh, opportunities to grandstand on television, this does not help. All it does is give them more fodder for campaigns, for people to run campaign ads and say, well, look how great I was in the Senate, I said this, and look at the dumb answer so-and-so gave. There's no end to this. Is it, Dealing with the Democrats at this time with respect to their their just determination to remove President Trump is like dealing with a terrorist. When you finally figure out there's no reasoning with a terrorist, you stop doing it. There's no reasoning with the Democrats. They're not trying to be reasonable. So I will say I think the impeachment has actually turned out to be a feather in President Trump's cap. I mean, you don't really want this, but they have just, they have made, they have showed their hand to the American people. They don't care about truth. They don't care about what was fair. They don't care about facts. They set up the entire House impeachment inquiry with just using the power they had to shut down the president, to have a provision in place that said, the president's team could only call witnesses if the Democrats approved of those witnesses. The entire just charade of a trial put on by the Democrats in the U.S. House, for anyone thinking that maybe the Democrats really were earnest and they actually had a serious concern about this conversation with, between President Trump and President Zelensky of the Ukraine in July, this, uh, you, you have to ha- been, you have to been disabused of that. You have to understand they never wanted truth. They didn't then. They don't now. So President Trump, I'll tell you, I had a bunch of numbers. but I decided to skip it because I want to hit one more story. But it is really important to understand uh, that this has benefited the president. And, you know, he's going to get, by the way, if he doesn't get removed tomorrow, which he's not going to, there's not two thirds of the Senate majority is not going to, he's not going to have a two third vote to remove him. He therefore is acquitted pretty much whatever the vote is, if, he's, if they don't get to two-thirds, Trump wins. They're not going to get to two-thirds. I would like to see, and actually there are people talking about the idea, there may be a few Democrats coming across uh, the aisle with the Republicans to vote to acquit tomorrow. It, it may not be just the Republicans versus the Democrats. There may be a few Democrats coming across and saying, yeah, actually, you know, we're, we're with you. This is, this is a total witch hunt, and we're not going to support it. We're going to vote to up the higher idea of upholding the rule of law we'll see what happens tomorrow but tonight it'll be a fabulous uh state of the union last topic for today i really really wanted to hit and i just want to make clear why this matters so much hillary clinton back in the era when bill clinton was president in that era the term was coined the idea was became standard conversation in the political world Can't we just move on? MoveOn.org was created in the Bill Clinton presidency era to try to make the argument the moment that wrongdoing was uncovered by Hillary, that Hillary Clinton engaged in wrongdoing, or Bill did, and it became evident, became known to the public, the very next day, the media, the Democrats, every Democrat in the country who had a microphone in front of them was saying, can we just move on? We've been over this, we've been talking about it, we've known, I mean, it could be like the next day, like we just discovered what Hillary did with the FBI files, or we just discovered the travel gate, whatever it was, the immediate answer was, can we just move on? It was a very intentional, nefarious, manipulative thing to do. The point was to tell Americans that, to imply that we've discussed this, the facts are out there, and all that's happening now is harassing people and repeating things and let's just move on. Well, I have to tell you, on our side, on on the conservative side of the aisle, there are people who have the view that once the vote happens tomorrow in the Senate, once there's a vote to acquit the president, and again, if there's not two-thirds to remove, it's a vote of acquittal. Once that happens, some Republicans, cautious, tentative, are saying, can we just move on? Can we just please drop this? Can we just be over this? We can't talk about this anymore. And that could not be a worse decision. That there could not be a worse outcome, a worse conclusion for Republicans to make that would essentially say, thank goodness we got through the uh, impeachment. He didn't get removed. Okay, let's drop all this. We cannot do that. I will tell you, last night I had the the great opportunity uh, to be uh, here in Dallas a very small group, about 20 people, uh, with Congressman Devin Nunes, who uh, is, uh, you may know, is among the heroes of the entire U.S. House, Congressman from California, among the uh, small cadre of Republicans in the House who actually stood strong with President Trump, who demanded truth. He wasn't necessarily, I don't want to say stood strong with President Trump. He stood tr- strong with the idea of you must get to the truth. We don't sweep anything under the rug because Democrats don't want to talk about it. Truth matters. It matters what happened inside the FBI and the DOJ when they cooked up this preposterous Russia hoax and used the, the elements of the uh, elements of power they had at their hands and the FBI and the DOJ to go after the president to try to destroy his presidency, to get unjustified FISA court warrants, to spy on his team. Devin Nunes has been among the people who's been vilified almost more than anyone else in the U.S. House, probably more than anyone else in the U.S. House for his tenacity and commitment to the idea. You must pursue and get to the truth and that's what he was saying last night in this small group he was saying that he is not going to stop his quest to get to the bottom of what happened how is it that you had members people paid by your tax dollars employed by the fbi and the doj and the cia and maybe even the nsa and the national security council all of those people Involved in an ongoing coup attempt against the president. And that's what this was. That's what the Trump, the, the Russia collusion hoax was. That's what this Ukrainian hoax was. It is an ongoing coup attempt, an attempt by people inside the government to overthrow the duly elected president. And I have to tell you, at least what I was hearing last night from Congressman Nunez. The Republicans are not going to let it drop, at least he is not, and others in, in power are saying, no, you have to get to the bottom of it, you have to understand all that happened, who is involved, what possible crimes they may have committed, that has to be weeded out, it has to be given the sunlight of truth in the daytime, it has to have people charged if they need, if they deserve to be charged for crimes, you have to bring it to the public's attention. So. I wanted to say on the um, so I think that's very heartening, very enlightening, uh, and I'm very grateful for people like him because talk about someone who's taken slings and arrows. I'll tell you other little quick tidbits in wrapping up where I'm saying this this whole notion about the idea that on the GOP side there must be and there is a quest for truth uh, to start with on the and um, the uh, Senate side, Senate side, Lindsey Graham, you know. Sometimes sometimes solid, sometimes shaky, but Lindsey Graham has announced the Senate Intelligence Committee is going to hold a hearing and is going to call the Ukrainian whistleblower, who everyone's still pretending no one knows his name. I've said it in my show many times. It's been all over the media, but somehow people in Washington keep saying, in fact, I think recently Adam Schiff said he didn't even know who it was. Uh-huh. Anyway, so Lindsey Graham, they're gonna call the the whistleblower and get at the bottom. Not just you know, not to ask him, what did you hear? What did you think you heard? Who'd you cook it up with? Who'd you meet? Who'd you talk to? Who'd you run it by? Who in the NSC said it was okay? Who in Adam Schiff's uh, team did you talk with? Every single question will be asked under penalty of perjury, and it's about dang time. Uh, next, you had, you also have an, kind of an amazing thing. Rand Paul, in an uh, interview on Fox with Neil Cavuto, actually said... This is Rand Paul, now he's not a wild out there making accusations that have no basis in reality like Maxine Waters or some people on the left. This is a very wise circumspect guy. Senator Rand Paul made a statement of Neil Cavuto. He said he's aware of six members, six members of the NSC National Security Council and Adam Schiff staff who appear to have coordinated their efforts to create the impeachment hoax over a year ago. Please let that sink in. Rand Paul would not say this if it was a wild rumor he heard in the cloakroom or overheard someone whispering. When he's going to say on national television, on Fox News and Neil Cavuto, he believes, and this is President Trump's own national security team, to be clear. Not, you know, the Obama-era people who were also a problem, but his team, NSC team, and Adam Schiff staff, who appear to have coordinated the entire Collusion—you uh, know—the entire um, hoax leading to the uh, effort to impeach the president—that is a massive thing. Must be looked into. Last point on this, even on the G- in the House side, the GOP is now—I'm inve- the Senate side—the uh, GOP is making inquiry of the National Archives in the process of reviewing thousands of documents related to meetings between the obama administration senior officials and ukrainian officials at the white house in 2016. so the senate even senator ron johnson republican of wisconsin and senator chuck grassley of iowa those two being ron johnson chair of the committee on homeland security grassley chairman of the committee on finance they have now demanded documents from the national archives related to meetings held at the white house 2016 between the Obama people and the Ukrainian people. To sum up this last segment, there are fighters on the GOP side, numerous different players who are saying we must fight to bring out the entire truth. We must pursue truth. And I got to tell you, folks, it may be that there are some Republicans caught up in any of these conspiracies and, 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 and any of what has gone on in Washington in the last several years. I don't care. If there were Republicans involved, they need to be held to account, just like the Democrats, who were overwhelmingly the ones orchestrating this and, can take, and conducting it, taking down this, just carrying out this effort at a coup to remove, to take down the president because they didn't like him. Do not buy into anyone's argument that somehow we ought to let it all go and move along. We must bring these people to justice, because if we don't, we leave it as historical precedent that you can engage in conduct at this nefarious level, and just because you have the cloak of protection of being employed by the FBI or the DOJ, that you're above the law, we are setting ourselves up for a very dangerous era in America and an era inconsistent with our commitment of our founding to apply the rule of law to everyone. And now, my friends, I have a lot more to say, but I'm apparently out of time. So. I want to wrap up as I do every day, telling you about why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started out today talking about the um, Trump, <coughs> excuse me, Trump winning in Iowa. I didn't even tell you that there was a Republican caucus in Iowa yesterday, also along with a Democrat one. Republicans won by 97 percent. I mean, excuse me, President Trump won 97 percent of the vote. And the reason I share that is these never Trumper people who are just proudly never Trumper still and attacking the president all the time. There are two candidates uh, who ran, you know, her primary challengers allegedly to President Trump who, between them, got barely over 2% of the vote. It's a joke. And this is also helpful to understand when you hear people, the pundits, the leftists, the Never Trumpers saying, there's a lot of disdain for President Trump out there. There's a lot of people who don't like him. I'm sorry, this was a real poll in Iowa, understanding what the voters of Iowa, the Republicans in Iowa think, Trump wins Republican caucus by 97%. The Democrat caucuses, and they also had a huge turnout. Democratic caucuses, lower turnout than with Obama, lower turnout than uh, 2008, no results, having coin flips to break ties, blaming an app for the problems built by Obama-Clinton acolytes, widespread aroma, manipulation, corruption, deceit, Biden's collapse, To be protected, which is one reason Democrats would want to manipulate the outcome, and Sanders' surge is to be muted. This is the party that refuses to clean up voter rolls, opposes voter ID, that is in the middle of most election fraud incidents in this country, and they expect Americans to give them more power. Dr. Everett Piper calls in, love having him on. Liberal Democrats push the UN to rule America, impose the inalienable right to abortion. Woman's choice is the highest human right there is, said this guy, not my guest, said the gentleman who was, uh, we were talking about, Kenneth Roth. Uh, religious people are free to believe, not free to act. This is the kind of language coming out of the guy who uh, testified before the U.S. Human Rights Commission. And then you add in the NFL's idea of halftime entertainment. In the Me Too era, forget debating what's puritanical, what's enlightened. The Super Bowl halftime message does not empower women. It demeans women as sex objects. John Adams, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Americans can and should insist on honoring our Christian heritage and Adams' vision. On the Democrat self-inflicted acquittal vote, Russia collusion coup attempt was pre-planned and a hoax. Ukraine impeachment was pre-planned. And a hoax. Schiff's departing gem. He actually said, if we don't do something to Trump, he may give Alaska to Putin. I mean, honestly, Schiff, there's something wrong with him. He did say that yesterday on the House, on the the Senate floor. Schiff is the faith the Democrat Party is not a good look. The Democrat Party has shown itself to be completely devoid of any agenda, purpose, or governing vision besides hate Trump, get Trump. The American people are not fooled. Oh, MSNBC. I missed telling you that story. I have to save it for tomorrow. Really funny MSNBC story. But anyway, the American people are not fo- fooled. MSNBC found this out. The American people are fed up with nonstop attacks against President Trump. Trump's approval is rising. An epic Trump landslide in 2020 is building. And I really do mean that. Okay, up next, the quest for Russia-Ukraine whistleblower truth. Senator Lindsey Graham finally more than a talking head paper tiger subpoena for the whistleblower? Maybe also for Hunter Biden. Who knows? This could be good. Rand Paul smells a conspiracy naming names on Schiff's staff and the NSC staff to Neil Cavuto on Fox. It's absolutely imperative that America not move on from the monstrous evil that permeates what is already publicly known about corruption, deceit, and police state tactics from the Obama-era DOJ, FBI, CIA, FISA courts, and the Hillary campaign. The truth must out and accountability must be visible and severe. And that, my friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for listening. Email me at Talk at gmail.com. Go to my website, americacanwetalk.org. Hit the subscribe button. You'll love my newsletter once a week, filled with information, easy to get. And most of all, tune in every day to listen to my show, America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. I'll talk to you next time.